From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for April 24th, 2009 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined this week by my good friends, Walter Eccles, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Kathy Whirling and Teresa Eccles are back in the Peanut Gallery. Uh, we are going to play your voicemails and your emails, as we always do on this week's show, so let me do the usual spiel if you'd like to send us an email. The address is podcast at wdwinfo.com, or you can go to our show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com, and fill out the feedback request form. If you'd like to give us a call, you can do so toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, one 310 The local number, the direct number, 407-574-5093. In the United Kingdom, toll-free 0808-120-2316. And toll-free in Australia, 1-800-774-531. So with that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Our first uh, voicemail this week comes to us from Christina, who has some questions about the differences between the different resort types. So here is Christina. Hello, podcast crew. This is Christina K. Um, CK Pegasus, 102313 on the board. I had a couple of questions that I hope you can answer for me. I am planning a Disney vacation, and I usually stay at the Pop Century Resort, but I have always wanted to stay at a moderate or even a deluxe resort. My question is, what is the difference between the value, a moderate, and a deluxe resort? If I'm going to the hotel just to crash for a couple hours of sleep, but I do enjoy the atmosphere of the hotels, is it really worth the money? Keep in mind, I'm going to be traveling with my mother, who has to use a walker for she cannot walk long distances. Also, what are your favorite resorts in each of the categories? Thank you very much, and keep up the great work. I love your show. Well, thank you very much for calling in, Christina. Um, You know, differences between value, moderate, and deluxe resorts are all pretty much subjective in terms of your your own preferences when you vacation, what you like. Um, of course, there's the obvious price difference, but uh, and the theming differences. But uh, you know, the main difference is really the size of the rooms and the amenities the hotel offers. Um, in value resorts, you're looking at uh, rooms that are about uh, what are we about 180 square feet, I believe. Um, they're very small, um, where you get up to about uh, maybe two 250 square feet in a, in a moderate. And depending on the deluxe, we're talking about anywhere between 300 and 350 square feet. So space is one issue, um, size of the room. If, you're, if you have a mother who uh, has mobility issues, um, you know, the deluxes and the moderates are all uh, pretty spread out. They're very, uh, very expansive. Uh, so unless you can guarantee that you're getting a room close to where you need to be, or at least close to, uh, uh, like, the bus stops and things like that, you're going to have issues. Whereas in the deluxes, uh, you know, it's, it's still some walking involved, but I don't think quite as much. Correct me if you guys think I'm wrong. Not quite as much as you would at, like, Pop Century. If you're 
all the way in the back of Pop Century, I mean, that's a big walk. Um, unless, you, unless you can park close to your room. Yeah. But then again, you you it seems with every resort there's a trade-off. If you want to be close to um, the food court or something like that, you find that you're far away from a bus stand. So it's always a trade-off. You want to look for uh, a location that's going to best suit her. One of the biggest differences between the resort types is what's available at the resort. Uh, value resorts only have a food court. Moderate resorts, you move from you get a food court and a sit-down restaurant. Deluxe resorts, you'll have room service. So there's depends on the level of amenity. That room service want. and signature restaurants, and as signature opposed to restaurants. standard sit-down restaurants. Correct. So it again depends on the level of amenity that you want at the resort. Is also, it- location. Location's a big difference in all of the resorts, especially mm-hmm. deluxes, tend to be on uh, the monorail, tend to be on a waterway, someplace where you have direct transportation, where you don't have to take a bus to certain parks. And the value in the moderate resorts, you enter your room from outside, where the deluxes, you like go into a lobby and enter your room that way. Right. So if you're a little bit concerned about Security. Security, or that you want a balcony. Uh, the values in the moderates don't have balconies. Right. Also, the moderates and up have refrigerators in the room. Yeah, that's true. So there are differences. Is it worth the money? Again, like I said before, that's subjective. That's really up to you. Uh, if you're only going to spend a few hours in the room, if the room, if you look at a hotel room as some place to crash, um, i got to be honest with you. Pop Century is my least favorite. Um I, I just those rooms I find to be uh, really I mean they're equivalent to a Holiday Inn uh, in my opinion at the price of a much more expensive hotel uh, especially depending on what time of year you're going I mean you could be paying $129 a night at Pop Century which I think is absolutely ridiculous uh, I'm just not a fan of the rooms in at the Pop Century not that they're much better at the All Stars but I just think the all-stars have better uh i don't know just better atmosphere for me i know a lot of people love pop century not not trashing it don't send me any hate mail but i i you know for me i would prefer if i was going to stay in a value which i'd be hard pressed to do to be honest with you uh it would probably be one of the all-stars but uh, whether it's worth it, I mean, it's a big price difference. You know, you're talking about you know 89 to 129 at a value uh, versus uh, 159, 149 to you know possibly about 199 at a moderate. And the deluxes, you're definitely between two and 300. In some cases, 400 dollars. So it it's it's all a matter of when you're traveling, uh, if you're able to get a good deal. I know for a lot of people that stay, used to stay in or normally would stay in a value when they were offering the 7 for 4 deal, a lot of people were taking the, the moderates and in some cases the deluxes because of the price, the price break. Uh, but, you know, that's not available now. You've got free dining that's out right now. But that's only a window of, what, six weeks uh, where you can travel, August into September. So, again, it's all subjective. But, you know, for my money... I'd stay to moderate. That's where I, uh, for me. I don't know if anybody yeah, else. Yeah, I agree with that. So, best of luck to you. Hope it uh, hope it works out. Who has an email they'd like to read? I'll go. 
These, yeah, I'm sorry, these guys are all half asleep because yeah. they, we've been going since we've, we've been going for like five or six hours here. I didn't have to come early, so. <laughs> yeah, Julie's a little more perky. And I had coffee because I did get up early. I just, you know. So anyway, mine's from Liz, a.k.a. I Wish for Disney on the Boards. She's from Bear, Delaware. D.E. is Delaware, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, podcast crew. I'm writing once again with some questions before an upcoming trip. This time, I am traveling with just my husband and son, age four. We're meeting up with some local friends, and we're going to go to a water park. I've not been to a water park in quite some time, and we're going to have three kids under the age of five. Can anyone recommend which water park would be best for small children, toddlers, and preschool age? And then she has another question, which I will answer later. I would recommend Blizzard Beach, personally. They have their little tykes area, which is perfect for children under five. Small slides, shallow little wading pools, um, fountains, you know, little squirters, all sorts of stuff to do. And then if dads want to go off and do some big slides, they can. And then you guys can switch up. Moms can go do the big slides, you know, have a little baby (laughs) trade-off. But um, I would definitely recommend Blizzard Beach. Right, Corey? Their wading pool is also tamer than the one at uh, at Typhoon. You know, they, they don't have a huge wave that comes every yeah. few minutes it's just bobbing waves you know it's something that i i just talking about the the water parks um themed entertainment association released their report uh, last week of the top uh theme parks and water parks in, in the u.s I, I never would have guessed this you know typhoon lagoon is busier than blizzard beach hmm. i believe that i you know i would have thought it was the other way around Really? Yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago, they were both closed to capacity, but usually Blizzard Beach closes to, co- to capacity first, and there's always a sign saying Typhoon Lagoon is still open for your enjoyment. I, I, I was surprised. I was surprised. but Also, the Lazy River at Blizzard Beach is a lot longer, and you'll have an entrance you know, not far from the Tykes area, so you can get on and off as you please. You know, going back to that Typhoon thing, I think Typhoon also, it's because it has the history. When people came here, you know, several years ago, they're like, oh, I really want to go back to Typhoon. We had so much fun at Typhoon. And it is fun. I'm not going to say it's not. Is Typhoon bigger? Is it a bigger capacity? I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's bigger. It does to me, too, yeah. Seems like it's a bigger parking lot. So that's our opinion. Uh, her second question is, she wants to know if anyone can recommend or offer their favorite thing to eat at Caribbean Beach Resort Food Court. They've never eaten there, and we'll be having at least one dinner and breakfast there. And she also wants to say thank you so much for the blog on the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival. Kathy. Mm. (laughs) You got her very excited to visit during the trip. My favorite meal at Caribbean Beach is the roast turkey dinner. Um, It was like seven-something, and it was a really good dinner, but uh, we've never had a bad meal at Caribbean Beach. Isn't Caribbean Beach Food Court set up a little different in that they have different uh, types of food? Isn't it more like a food court, like yes. A, yes. like a yes. mall food court where you get different yeah. things? I'm not saying it right, but you guys seem to know what I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> yeah, and they have different. There's some of them, not all of them, that are open like at lunchtime, and then some of them close at dinner time. So, but you have like spaghettis and pizzas and. Burgers and then they spaghettis. Usually, sp- spaghetti. That's more than one spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> well, like spaghetti and meatballs and meatball hoagies and oh. then they have like a like the turkey dinner place. So you've got a little bit of everything. 
And there's also a, a sit-down restaurant. Uh, Shutters. Shutters. Which actually, it's been a while since I've been there, but when I was there, very good. Mm-hmm. Food was actually quite good. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you'll starve. You'll, and for breakfast, they've got all kind of foods. They've got you know your Mickey waffles and fresh fruit, and they've got your grab and go market too. So that if you're in the mood for just a, a donut or um, yogurt or fresh fruit, you can just pick that up without waiting in line. Cool. Great. Well, thank you for that, uh, Julie. Who else has an email I'd like to read? I do. (laughs) Hi, podcast team. This is Wayne Zizzy on the Dizboards. I have been to Disneyland over 50 times, but only been to Disney World three times. I'm planning my biggest Disney World trip ever for late May through early June. I'm staying two full weeks, and I'm staying on property. Well, that must be nice to be you. Uh, I'll be traveling alone this trip. I'm not as familiar with Disney World, and I just found out that Star Wars Weekends is going on during my entire stay. I am a Star Wars enthusiast, but that's not why I'm coming to the park. I know very little about the event, but, of only, but only what I've heard on the podcasts. My concern is how much impact this will be during my stay. Are all the parks going to be much more crowded during this time? Is dining going to be a problem? I know that the activities happen at Hollywood Studios, but does it also affect other areas of the world? Do things calm down during the weekdays? I will probably go to the Star Wars events one day, but there are too many other things that I want to do around the world. I'm concerned that this may interfere with my visit. Do you have any suggestions or ideas? Thanks so much. I love the podcast and all you folks. P.S. I will be going to both water parks, but I will be sure to stay out of the damn lakes. Well, good for you, Wayne. And thanks for writing. Um, Yes, Star Wars Weekends is going to have an impact on Hollywood Studios on the weekends. I don't think it's going to have an impact on the other parks. Uh, While it's a popular event, it's not the kind of event that's going to draw 100,000 people uh, to Disney World. That would have an impact on on the parks. But, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't don't know if you realize you're coming during gay days. Um, That has a much much bigger impact on crowds uh, during the first – it's the first weekend of June, right? Correct. First Um, Saturday of June. First Saturday of June. It's late this year. I think it's the 6th or 7th. And that has a much bigger impact on uh, on crowds than I think Star Wars weekends will. Uh, if you go to GayDays.com, they have the full list of what day is scheduled for which park. Um, the, the the highlighted park each day tends to be a lot busier because of these crowds. So, what we recommend to people is, you know, unless you're going for Gay Days, you avoid uh, the. The featured park that day, so the Magic Kingdom will be on June sixth. It's this first Saturday in June. Okay, yeah, that's the big. Uh, and they expect about a hundred thousand people this they year. Usually do. It's usually in that. Yeah, it's a big, big event. That's going to have a lot of. Uh, that's going to have a, a lot more of an impact, I think, on crowds uh, than Star Wars weekends will. But again, um, with any event going on in the parks, no matter what it is, you know, with some careful planning. And some attention to detail and a good fast pass strategy. Uh, getting to the parks early, avoiding the parks that are the target of any particular day by any particular group, whether it's Star Wars weekends uh, at Hollywood Studios or whatever the featured park is that day for Gay Days, um, you should be all right. So during Gay Days, you won't find those crowds as large at the other parks on other days. The big push is at the Magic Kingdom. The big, yeah, that's the big day. But still, 100,000 people coming in for a week, um, it does have an impact on the park. So 
crowds may be an issue for you. Just be aware of it. So thanks very much for writing in. And who else has one? I have one. Yeah, Walter. It's Jose Serrano from Norwalk, Connecticut. He says, hello, podcast team. I have a question, but before I do, I just want to thank you for this wonderful forum for Disney lovers. I go to the site almost daily just to keep as close as possible to the world, even though I live in Connecticut. Now, with that being said, I want to be even closer to the world by chatting with people on the boards, but I found it a little intimidating to navigate around. I want to know if there's any advice or tutorial for people like myself. I find it overwhelming because I'm not sure what, what to do once I'm on. I read other people's posts, but I'm not quite sure how to follow along. I consider myself computer savvy, but an idiot on the boards. Sorry for the long email. Thanks for your help, Jose. Well, Jose, um, no, you know, it's actually you bring up a good idea of creating some kind of tutorial for getting around the boards. I hadn't thought of that. Think after twelve years, it would have occurred to me. But Once we figure out how to get around the boards, we'll create ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, really and truly, if if you want to start participating in the boards, uh, the best way to do it is to jump in and just say, "Hi, I'm new." Um, There's actually a whole thread on the Diz Unplugged board about people who have come out of lurkerdom, mm-hmm. people who read the boards but don't post. It's a very welcoming place to be. I have found other sections of the boards to not be as welcoming. This, the Diz Unplugged board is very welcoming to new guests. Yep the uh, the boards each like you know each board has its own personality. Each board has its own community. Uh, some people fit in better on some boards than others. Um, I agree. The Diz Unplugged board is one of the more welcoming boards. I'm not saying that other forums aren't welcoming. Uh, other boards on our our forums aren't welcoming. Uh, some more so than others. I think is probably the best way to say it. One of the things I hear a lot is that everybody seems to know each other on the boards, and it's hard to break into, and I hate this word, a click. Yeah. And I really want to say to people, these aren't clicks. These are just people who know each other better than you know them. Right. And the way they did that was they started earlier than you. And the way to get to know people is to read and listen and post and become part of it. It's not an exclusionary thing. It's more just that people have more experience than you. Some people can play the violin and I can't. It doesn't make the, I mean, it's a, it's a violin click. It just means I don't know how to do it. Right. So you just have to kind of jump in with both feet and move ahead. And then you become part of the click too because now you know how to do it. Okay. There. I'm done. Okay. So, and also, uh, Jose, if you have questions about doing specific things on the boards uh, in terms of either getting around or, or working the software, uh, the DizTech support board is listed there uh, with, the, with the rest of the uh, forums, and uh, they'll be very happy to answer any questions you have. There's also the welcome board uh, for, new, for new posters. Um, a lot of people ask questions there as well, so by all means... Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to jump in, get your feet wet. Come join us. Absolutely. We'll put Kevin's phone number in the show notes in case those don't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're fine with that, Kevin? Try to answer my phone. It's like an Australian <laughs> number. Just leave the last number off. Right. <laughs> it's only six numbers. All right. Our next voicemail comes to us from Christina, who oh, – I'm sorry. No, it does not. That We just played Christina. Our next voicemail comes to us from James in Daytona 
was a question about nutritional information at Disney restaurants. So here's James. Hey, podcast crew. This is uh, James in Daytona. I just want to start. I got a comment and then a question. Well, first off, two comments. Uh, I just want to say, even after a few months later, we still think about the Toy Story Mania meet and want to thank the crew for doing that last year and hope we get to do something similar again this year. Also, I want to thank y'all for talking about Robert, I want to mispronounce his last name, Olszewski. Olszewski. Models for Disney. On my birthday, I decided to use my fun card at Magic Kingdom to purchase to help purchase a piece of his work and he was there signing and me and my girlfriend got to stand around and talk to him for about an hour and he was one of the most interesting people we'd ever talked to him telling us how he got his start and different projects he's done over the years all over the world so thank you for the information on him second off the question is for dining in Walt Disney World we were curious we've both gotten a little health conscious lately and we were wondering if there's anywhere to find out nutritional facts for the dining at Walt Disney World. I know that might be a pretty big order to fill if they did have it, but we're just kind of curious if there's anywhere we can find that. Thank you, and keep up the good work. Well, thanks very much for calling in, James. We appreciate it. Uh, and I agree. Uh, Robert Oshepsky is uh, tremendous. Tremendous artist, tremendous... Uh, I'm. I'm the more I look at the pieces I picked up in Disneyland, the more I really appreciate this man's uh, talent. Um, and everybody who comes to the house and sees them is just enamored with them. I mean, they really have great appeal. So I really I agree with you. Uh, Oshevsky is is awesome. We love him. Uh, as far as nutritional information, I looked and I was unable to find anything um, providing actual nutritional information. But you know it. When I first heard this voicemail, it brought up for me, isn't it a law now you have to provide it? I think if you go to the restaurant or the counter service, they'll provide it for you if you ask for it. That's Because um, I, I was not able to find anything printed. There are people who are diabetic who have to count carbs and things like mm-hmm. that. So they will provide it to you. It's just it's something you'll have to ask for at the point of purchase. Yeah. It also takes getting a little creative, you know, uh, as far as the dressings, you, you decide to put on your salad, you know, get the dressing on the side, no croutons, and, you know, you, you're going to have to modify some things, substitute some sides, you know, no butter. Have apples, not french fries. Yeah. So it does take some being a little creative, too, in addition to getting the nutrition facts. Because but good for them. They're eating healthy. Yeah, I say I have to watch what I eat, too. I make sure everything is fried. Uh, everything has a lot of sugar in it. Salted. You know, salted to within an inch of its life. Some cheese. Has, yeah, depending. Hey. Not a big cheese freak. He can go back and forth on cheese, but salt, he's got to have it. Salt, sugar, and, and, and grease. It's only, it's only a good meal for me if it ends in chest pains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, heart attack on a plate. Have you been saving that one? No. <laughs> Sometimes he does that. Sometimes I, I do. That one was it. Sometimes I hear about them a week in advance. I just got to figure <laughs> out when they're going to show up. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for calling in, James. Who else has an email they'd like to I read? have one. This is from Daryl Cheney, and he's hippie hiker. Is that Dick's brother? <laughs> <laughs> from Birmingham, Alabama. Give kids the world. Can I still give a donation through the Diz? No. I don't need a T-shirt, but if you have one, please give it to a needy child. Daryl. Yes, you can. You can go to the um, the Muddy Buddy um, site. It's 
www.firstgiving.com. Did we decide com or, or, com or something? Do we have, a, we have, a, we have, we have link. a link to it on the show notes page. And you can donate through there. And that does go directly to Give Kids the World. And you can use your credit card or your debit card or whatever it is through there. As far as needy kids, we just gave them 50 something thousand dollars. They don't need a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, we I will never ask early. you to be here at 9, 9.30 in the morning again. <laughs> oh, my Lord. You do realize we live on the other side of the earth, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys had to leave at 8.30, huh? Uh-huh. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just, just as an update, the Muddy Buddies are up to $2,545. Wow. Incredible. Wow. Oh, They're aiming for, for 3000 They are awesome. I think they'll make it. I, I do, so. too. I think they'll make it as well. So, so just can I just give them a plug? If there's are people out there who don't know what they are, it's six gentlemen who are racing in the Muddy Buddy on Saturday, May 9th, and they've asked for donations. They're, all the money is going to give kids the world. Uh, Aaron and Chris and Dave and Paul and Todd and Don and Donder and Blinson and, <laughs> and Comet and are all racing. Um, so if you want to support them, that's a great thing to do. Also. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you for that, Kathy. Who else has an email they'd love to read? I do. I'd love to read my email. Go ahead, Kevin. This is, hang on, I gotta put my glasses on. God, that's on. creepy, isn't it? <laughs> yes, please stop. The email's coming from inside the house. <laughs> so I can whisper inside your ears. <laughs> this is from Tom. Crazy TP93 on the boards. Tom wants to say, I was recently at the parks and saw something that got my attention. While I was visiting the Magic Kingdom and MGM Studios, or what he really means is Disney Hollywood Studios, I saw some cast members with shirts saying Disney researchers. They had clipboards and were asking random guests some questions. Do you know what their purpose is? Thanks for all you guys do, and you really make my week. Yes, they're doing Disney research. (laughs) <laughs> well, and not questions. not just that. Um, it seems like a lot of the research being done right now is about dining, yeah. and a lot of what they're asking is basically trying to find out exactly how much more they can charge for food, and uh, before you'll revolt and pack picnic baskets. They also do things like um, try to figure out which kind of ticket media you're using. Exactly. What did you buy for this trip? Where did you buy it? How many days have you used of your ticket? So they're trying. They do all sorts of market research. I had a friend who was in Disney. I forget what it was called. We used to call it Disney Weights and Measures, and he would have <laughs> he would have a clicker, and he would have to stand on a bridge, and he would count the number of people who crossed the bridge between ten and eleven. They used to do the weirdest things. He used to have to go into a buffet and pick a person and unobtrusively stand behind a plant and watch that person and help count how many times they went to the uh, buffet. the buffet. Really? Now, before I sit down, I go through all the plants at the buffet <laughs> and smack people away from me. But, yeah, they have people who do all sorts of research. So when they say due to guests... Feedback or whatever, that's probably where they came up with the feedback. Probably. Due to guest demand. He also used to do this dumb thing. He used to work at Pleasure Island during its heyday, and he would have to go count the cars in the parking lot. And I said to him one day, do you know how many parking spots there are? And he said, yeah. I said, why don't you count the empty spots? Exactly. Why would you count the cars? (laughs) And they just never thought, they didn't think that through. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe he used the opposite side of his brain. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. Our next voicemail comes to us from Julia, who has questions about the RideMax program that we've mentioned on the show a few times. So here is Julia. Hey, podcast crew. It's uh, Julia, or Juju Bean, from the crawfish capital of the world, Brobridge, Louisiana. I have a question about the RideMax program that you mentioned in your Disneyland segment. I am currently taking the trip to Disney World in May, and I purchased the Walt Disney World RideMax program for my trip. I just wanted to know how you guys liked it and any tips or suggestions about the program. So far, I've checked into it, and it looks like a pretty good deal for 20 bucks. Thanks for taking your time for making this great podcast. I look forward to Wednesday and Thursday. I just wanted to let you know that the city that you were trying to mention from Louisiana is uh, Bossier City. Thanks. Y'all have a great day. Bye. I didn't get that. Was there uh, an email read? A few weeks ago, I think there was, uh, there was an email. And somebody oh, okay. didn't know how to pronounce Bossier. You guys oh. weren't here. Oh, y'all must have said Bossier or something. Cause it's no, I think I was here. B-O-S-S-I-E-R. And we mispronounced it and Corey didn't correct us. It's kind of like me saying um, reading Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Julia, um, I have personally have not used the Walt Disney World Ride Max product, so I cannot speak to it directly. Um, I don't imagine it's much different than the Disneyland version, and as I mentioned on the Disneyland show, I, um, I really liked it. Uh, it is for the Type A Disney planner, the person who is willing to be somewhere at ten twelve a.m. Uh, and kind of follow that kind of regimented schedule. Uh, but it also offers you a lot of flexibility in terms of your uh, in terms of your touring style. If you want to be commando, if you want to be casual, but it's like any other uh, planner in that you have to follow it in order for it to be effective, in order for it to work. Um, it's not going to do the tour for you. It's going to give you guidance when to get fast passes, when to show up for certain attractions, when to go to lunch. Uh, it does take the spontaneity out of a, a day at Disney, but then again, spontaneity at Disney usually means you're waiting in a lot of long lines. So uh, I found, like I said, the, the Disneyland version of the program I found to be a great deal. Um, I thought the software was um, brilliantly simple, uh, not hard for anybody to understand. There's really no learning curve with it. And uh, it did a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of figuring out uh, when to, how to get around the parks, when to get on certain attractions, especially with crowds. I mean, it is the, if one thing can really kill your vacation, it's two-hour waits for every ride you want to go on. And, you know, that's like the one complaint you'll hear during the the peak season from the people that didn't plan, that thought they could just show up and go on rides. Well, the last two weeks we've had three parks closed because of capacity. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you don't, I mean, Animal Kingdom, we were in Animal Kingdom a couple weeks ago. It was just stupid. Packed. You couldn't move. That was Animal Kingdom. And when Animal Kingdom's closing for capacity, that's scary. That's scary busy, <laughs> you know? So having some kind of plan, the only way to get on some of these attractions, especially the more popular ones, is to have some kind of plan like that. Now, of course, you can go out to the boards and you can do the research, which I highly recommend you do anyway, 
know why they're suggesting what they're suggesting. Don't just follow it uh, because sometimes you have to make changes. You have to make changes on the fly, and you, you're not going to have, unless you're going to be carrying your laptop around the parks with you, you're not going to have RideMax in your hand. So um, it's a great tool. I highly recommend it. Again, I've only used the Disneyland version. I cannot vouch for the Disney World version, but I don't imagine it's all that much different. So, And anybody interested in RideMax, RideMax.com is the website. And no, we do not have any business affiliation with them. I just used it on my trip to Disneyland and liked it. So, All right, who has another email they'd like to read? I have one from uh, Thomas Stokes. He's from New Jersey. My family is going on our first Disney cruise on August 29th. After leaving the ship on September 5th, our return flight does not depart until 7 p.m. Are there any realistic options to spend a few hours outside of the airport after returning via Disney ground transportation? Our travel party consists of three adults, two children, girls 11 and 6. Any suggestions would be very much appreciated. Go to Corey and Julie's house. Yeah, yeah. Pete's house is right around the yeah. corner. <laughs> you know, as far as walking distance, there's really nothing. But no. they, they do have a lot of shops and uh, places to eat inside of the airport. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I could suggest that's close is the Florida Mall. If you want to take a cab to the, go to the Florida Mall and kill time there. But anything you do is basically, basically going to be killing time. It's not going to be a, an yeah. attraction. By the time you get to the airport, yeah. you're going to have you, – it's going to be around 11 – between 11 a.m. and noon. Uh, and you're going to want to be – And there a hotel in the airport? There is. Get there a is. room and take a nap. <laughs> there's a Hyatt, yeah. There's a Hyatt right there in the airport. So, you know, you might you want to do day that. Room there, yeah. There's actually there's a mall in the middle of our airport, so there's stuff. You know, there's shopping and things like there's that. A huge Disney store. There's a huge Universal. Plenty sea of bars. World, uh, sea World store, right? Mm-hmm. What's <laughs> funny is the other day, well, it's been a couple of weeks ago now. Corey and I were like, we wanted something to eat, and um, we actually almost thought about going to the Macaroni Grill in the airport. In the airport, <laughs> really. <laughs> What did you do for dinner? We went to the airport. Oh, dear God. <laughs> we used to well, do that. we didn't want to leave like our vicinity here because we had Ferris, and it was right. not exactly like a time we wanted to be out late and things right. like that. For us, it does make sense. We're very close to the airport. Yeah. So well. I've never thought about going to the airport for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to the airport to buy Crocs, though. See? I have. I'm going we, to the Crocs store in the airport. We had a special trip to buy Crocs there. Yeah, so you it's might true. find some stuff to do there. But I don't think you should really leave. You could ride a little electric pathway up and down. The kids would enjoy that. <laughs> the moving sidewalks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Corey. Our next voicemail comes to us from Shauna, who has questions about uh, getting to St. John from St. Thomas on your own. So here is Shauna. She's going to need a boat. Hi, podcast team. This is Stamp and Shauna from the boards. On some of your recent podcasts, you have been talking about Disney Cruise Line and the Ports of Call. On one of them, you mentioned that you can go over to St. John from St. Thomas. We've been to St. Thomas before, so this time we want to try something new. Have any of you gone over to St. John on your own, not on a Disney Cruise Line shore excursion? And can you tell me how to get there, approximate costs, activities to do, etc.? I'll be cruising with my husband and our two-year-old daughter, and we would love to go over and check things out and spend time on a beach if we can. I'd love any suggestions or insight that you might have. Thank you, and we love your show. Well, thanks for calling in, Shauna. Now, before we get into the details of how to get to St. John from St. Thomas on your own, the caveat that must be mentioned is that when you do this, when you choose to travel 
around these islands on your own, uh, not going through a shore excursion organized by the ship, understand you better be back on that ship in time. Uh, if, you're, if you're not, they are going to leave without you. If you're on a shore excursion organized by the ship, through the ship, they will not. This could be through no fault of your own either. Right. Something if, the, if your boat breaks down. Exactly. So you need to keep in mind that you, by not doing the shore excursion, by not doing the St. John shore excursion, through the ship, you do run that risk. Is it likely to happen? No. But then again... It could happen to it, you. It could happen to you. Now, with that said, uh, you know, some people may say, well, why would you even think about organize, you know, going to St. John on your own, and, and why not just do the, uh, the shore excursion? And here's the reason. Uh, shore excursions to St. John's are notoriously short. You end up getting maybe an hour to an hour and a half of time on the beach before you've got to turn around and come back. And especially given how beautiful St. John is, um, some people want more time to explore. So that's why. Now, I have done it. I have done it a, a, a number of times where I have gone and on my own because I do like St. John's. There's a shopping area there that I really enjoy that you never get a chance to do if you're doing a beach excursion. I always want to go to the beach because it's, for me, St. John is the I- idyllic tropical island beach. Uh, so there are two places where you can grab a ferry. Uh, one is there in Charlotte Amale, which is the where the where the uh, where the ship docks. Uh, however, going from Charlotte Amale and taking the because you have to take a ferry to St. John, um, it's much longer from Charlotte Amale. It's a forty-five minute ferry ride. What we do is we grab a taxi at the port and go to the go to uh, Red Hook. Red Hook is the other port, and from Red Hook, it's only about a fifteen to twenty minute uh, ferry. Ferry, and I prefer to spend the fifteen to twenty minutes I'm saving on land than on those scary boats. <laughs> well, they're kind of scary in the on the taxis. They're kind of hauling around I, the, the corners. I like. I, I prefer at least I'm on land. Uh, I, I shouldn't say scary boats. These are usually bigger, bigger boats. But you, they go fast. They're smaller type boats, so you feel the, you know. Yeah, that's true. You feel it. You feel like you know you're jumping waves and kind of holding on in your seat. It's almost like a mild thrill ride. Um, <laughs> and they point out where the they point out where the seasick bags are as soon as you get on. So if you so somebody who is prone to seasickness, with a two year old, strongly recommend Dramamine or uh, bon- what is it, Bonine? Uh, you know whatever method of protection you choose to use for motion sickness. With all that said, leaving Red Hook, uh, going over to Cruise Bay in St. John, uh, it's a 15 to 20 minute ferry. Ferries run at 6.30 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. and then hourly from 8 a.m. to midnight. Coming back from from Cruise Bay in St. John to Red Hook, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. on the hour. Uh, Keep in mind that this gets you back to Red Hook. You still need to get a taxi from Red Hook back to the port. So you need to factor in that 20 minutes into uh, your time. Uh, whatever time the ship leaves 
Port, which on a Disney ship, if you're going on the Disney ship, I believe they leave around five or six from uh, from Charlotte Amale. You want to give yourself a solid hour and a half. I was just going to say, don't figure that 20 minutes in. I know you have to take that into account, but don't push it to 20 minutes to make sure you get that taxi back. Yeah. yeah. Leave yourself some extra time. Now, the cost going from Red Hook, um, one way is $6.10 for adults, $2.10 for children ages 2 through 11. Uh, seniors are $2.35. Um, and if you're bringing luggage, it's $2 a piece for your luggage. Um, now, coming from Charlotte Amale, if you just want to go right from the port area, uh, it's $11 one way for adults, $4 uh, for children, 2 through 11, $6 for seniors. Uh, that, again, is a 40 to 45-minute ferry ride. Uh, and they leave Charlotte Amale at 9, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m., and 5.30 p.m. They come back from uh, Cruise Bay and St. John. 7.15, 9.15, and 11.15 a.m., 1.15, 2.15, and 3.45. Um, a lot more ferries coming back and forth from Red Hook than there are from Charlotte Amale. Keep that in mind. So you have options. Just watch your timing. And this is not something I recommend for someone who's not been to the islands before. I would suggest you know, you know, if it's your first time going, do it through the ship. Do it through the ship, unless you are a real seasoned traveler and you feel real comfortable. But if you're not, see, I I, I had done St. John three or four times before with through shore excursions before I ever did it on my own with a ferry, because I just always had that fear that you know it was going to happen to me. <laughs> but I've done it like two or three times now, going on the ferry on my by myself, and it's uh, it's not a problem as long as you time it out right. Give yourself plenty of time to get back to the ship. So, I hope that helps, Shauna. And good luck on your on your cruise. All right, who else has a? I have one. Go ahead, Yanni. Mine's from Victor Jones, and Victor says, "Well, podcast crew, it's Victor." Hi, Victor. Hi, Victor. <laughs> I was wondering, <laughs> Griffin, it's O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching that the other night. <laughs> I was wondering. My friend is going to Epcot for his birthday, and he was wondering if he could, instead of getting a one-day park pass, if he could get the gift certificate and use that to put towards a two-day park pass or a three-day park pass. Victor, unfortunately not. There are some restrictions with the birthday gift card. Um, really? Mm-hmm. One of them is you cannot purchase media, uh, admission media with it. can't purchase food, and you can only purchase merchandise at select locations. Wank, wank. Yeah, really. <laughs> wank, wank, wank. You can't pay your hotel bill with it. Right, you can't use it for room charges. You can't use it at any of the spas. But so basically sp- just throw it away. No. It's <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can buy that really good soap in France with it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's only merchandise. Mm-hmm. It's only merchandise. It's select uh, area locations. Basically, the... If it's it's let, me, let, me, let, me it's it. let me use it where I want to use it. The problem is you have third-party locations mm. that, that wouldn't accept it. And some Disney. of them will accept it. We were in Epcot the other just day. Just got to ask. And France accepted it. China wouldn't. Huh. That's because we have a budget trade deficit with China. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm not sure the lady who waited on me understood the budget trade deficit. <laughs> Your gift card's no good here. And the card was probably made in China. <laughs> it probably was. 
They cannot use it to purchase other admission media. Sorry. Wow. Just the way it is. Buzzkill. I'm oh, telling sorry. you. Any- I don't make the rules. <laughs> All right. And our last voicemail this week comes to us from Tara in New Hampshire, who tells us about her experience doing Dive Quest at Epcot. So here is Tara. Hi, Pete and the rest of the team. This is Tara calling from New Hampshire, where it's 13 degrees at the time of recording. We have just returned home from an amazing trip to Disney World, and I wanted to share our experience with the Dive Quest program at Epcot. We met our guide at Guest Relations just outside the main entrance to Epcot. She took our scuba certification cards and sizes for the gear we would be using, as well as sizing for the t-shirts that we would receive at the end of the dive. We proceeded backstage for a short tour outside. Where we- Is she going to give me a massage? <laughs> say, Is she recording in a spa? Or I'm sorry. We've been doing this since yesterday. I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> the Jacques Cousteau music is going to kill me. <laughs> We could get a sense of scale as to how big the building was and see the filtration system that keeps the water so clear. Our guide told us that Spaceship Earth could actually <laughs> Our dog is there, apparently. We went inside she to the classroom underwater dog. paperwork and signed a waiver, of course. We also watched a short... Little- Spa dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dogfish. <laughs> We're getting punchy now. I just think of a pot of cure. <laughs> about the dive and she answered any questions that we had. We proceeded to the locker rooms where we each had a good sized locker with our name on it and the wetsuits, booties and towels that they provided were waiting inside. The room was clean and large enough that we had plenty of space to change. There were private showers with shampoo and soap provided as well as hair dryers. All we needed to bring was a bathing suit and if you wanted your own mask though they did provide one for you. Once we were all suited up, we gathered together to make our way to the tank. Our guide explained that we would be on stage in front of guests while walking through the pavilion and inside the tank. We got the quick speech about looking the Disney part and not doing anything stupid. We made our way to the observation deck level where she pointed out the different areas we would be in. Like what? <laughs> and they actually use the words, don't do anything stupid. Don't do nothing stupid. <laughs> don't ruin the people in Coral Reef. <laughs> have a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> yeah, I just, I would love to hear what Disney's list of stupid entails. Can you wear Spanx under a bathing suit? <laughs> and then we went inside a door in the very center of the room, which led to a spiral staircase that went up to the top of the tank. Our first view of the tank above the waterline was amazing. It is absolutely huge. Our equipment was already set up, and all we had to do was listen to some basic instructions Then they helped us put our tanks on, and off we went. We would have 40 minutes in the water, the first part being a guided tour, then we would have time to free swim with our buddy. This was a no-touch dive, so everything was off limits, especially the sea turtles. No jewelry except a wedding band was allowed, no cameras, and they even provided special hair ties that were easily digestible for the fish in case they came loose. There was a dive master leading the group, two additional safety divers, and a videographer to capture our dive memories. We, we had a mood change. <laughs> yeah, like, we did. It parked up a little bit. Is it like, are we in a western now? <laughs> Disco like diving. The no touching policy. <laughs> no touch policy. The water was cool, but comfortable and crystal clear. The fish, sharks, and rays were quite accustomed to people and would swim very close to us. Wait, sharks? Yeah, she's in the They're swimming tank. with sharks, literally. The big tank, whatever in the tank. Okay, no way. 
The variety and quantity of marine life was just amazing. When we got to the area by the Coral Reef restaurant, it was a lot of fun waving to everyone inside. I actually made reservations for the rest of my family to have dinner while we were diving, and that was definitely a highlight of our experience. It's the chase scene. When I tell you that, Trying to get through this poor woman's review. You're going to have to like make it available separate. Yeah. I will make this available separately since we've talked over it so much and stuff. I apologize, Tara. I really do. But we have been at this. You're the one stuff. who added the music. We have been. We've been. We've been on mic for six hours. We had something. That we had a, uh, some things to do earlier this morning, so we're all kind of punchy right now. This is like the end of our day and made our way back to the locker rooms. We had 20 minutes to shower and change, then we met in the classroom to wrap up our tour. We received our certification cards back, as well as the tour t-shirt. We watched part of the movie that was made during our dive and filled out comment cards. We had the option to buy the DVD for $35, and all of that money goes to the Disney World Dive Conservation Fund. I am a new diver, and this was my first dive outside of my certification class. I was a bit nervous, but Disney made me feel very comfortable and safe. Everything went perfectly. This tour was absolutely worth every penny, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. I highly recommend this tour to any diver, no matter what your experience level is. I knew it would be a wonderful experience, and it completely exceeded my expectations. Thanks again for all the work that you do each week. I really enjoy the show. We didn't see that coming, did we? What was that? Shark bait. We're not usually this easily. <laughs> We're all delirious right now. Oh, Lord. Well, Tara, first, thank you very much for recording that. Like I said, we will make that available for people to listen to without all the commentary and the interruptions. It was a lovely review. It was a yeah. great it was review. Good, yes. review. Uh, to thank you for that, go ahead and pick a number and uh, get a shot at the prize, Matron. We appreciate your... Uh, patience. Your patience. <laughs> she just... Contact info? Did she leave it? No, I don't think she did. Send me an email or a private message or a J. Got that, Tara? <laughs> you get in touch with Julie. Do you want me to hum behind what you're saying? <laughs> or just send it to podcast at www.info.com. Oh, all right. I think I, I think sickle fork and us we're done. That bring, is bring this puppy home. <laughs> that is going to do it for our show this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.